That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Commissioner Cooper, and we're getting hot in the desert today. Take a dip in the Red Sea with the Arizona Cardinals. It's time for TSS Fantasy. <laughs> Rock and it's gonna work for me. And you just got slandered. That's what it is! This court is adjourned. It is Commissioner Cooper. Welcome to Sophistication Station. I'm here to save the fantasy roster. And it's time for TSS Fantasy! Let's get it on. We are in the NFC West, ladies and gentlemen. And my internet is awful. So let's get it started with the introductions. We'll start first with Justin Jesus Herrera. <laughs> well, I mean... Jay, with all the money we're bringing in from these ads, why can't you just upgrade that internet, bro? Let's go. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here. As you can see, I am shooting live on set from the Cardinals uh, HQ right here. The burning dumpster fire. You can already kind of smell the are the Kyler Murray, Murray jerseys going in there. You can see the DeAndre Hopkins dolls going in there. Everything's going in that dumpster fire. And we are we're all ready to go here. And uh yeah, it looks like Jay's about to pop out. Yep, yep, he's popping out. All right. Well, I guess me and Nick will take over on this one. All right. First, I want to say this. Go to underdogfantasy.com, everybody. Use the word promo code TSS. Get a hundred dollars back. And guess what? Go to the prop that says the over-under on the Cardinals and pick the under. <laughs> A good use of your money. And uh, are you back, Jay? I think so. I hope so. We shall see for how long. Right, I'll pass it um, But, yeah, that was – that was a great introduction, by the way. All right, let's let's introduce Nick. You got Flander and Macaronis. Yeah, hey, so uh, to go off the dumpster fire, what uh, I was wondering what was behind you. It's quite colorful. It's got, it matches the heat in, in Arizona, 117 degrees today. Holy crap, those, those poor people. Uh, yeah, it's not too Murray in Arizona these days. Uh, we might not see him until November, but however – we got a lot of nice guests that are going to be on tonight, giving their expert ad advice. Uh, talk to them for a minute or so. They seem extremely not knowledgeable, and they're ready and raring to go. Yeah, well, I'm sure they don't like you very much now after that introduction. All right, well, let's not forget. Don't forget, go to tssfantasy.com. Go check out our latest and greatest rankings. All of them are, like Nick says, they are always right. Use the promo code TSS with Underdog Fantasy. We'll double that deposit up to $100. Also, Jazz Sportsbooks, we will, of course, all their latest and greatest 
stuff that they have. <laughs> Again, it's something different every week. Uh, so go check it out. Use the promo code TSS for Jazz Sportsbook. Also, go if you're looking for some championship bling for your fantasy champion, go to Pro Am Belts. We got all that latest and greatest there for you. And if you're watching on YouTube, Hit subscribe, hit the like, hit the comment, hit the notification bell. Little things stopping you from doing it, but big things popping for us when you do. We do appreciate you. Fellas, I'm going to bid you adieu because it's time for the doc, and I'll see you in a little bit. The doctor is in. We are hot and sweaty in the desert out here in Arizona. Welcome in, Doc, for the NFC West. And what's on the house call? Hey, thank you very much. I want to apologize in advance to Cardinal fans. This is going to be the most brutal percent to the bench segment of the offseason. We'll start with Kyler Murray. So in week 15, he tore his left ACL and meniscus. This ended his season. As a reminder, that was December 12th, only seven months ago. So now he's about six months out of surgery. After his injury, the TSS team reported that he, quote, will likely not be ready for the start of next season. Murray himself has stated his goal is to return for week one, but we're going on the record here to say that he will not be suiting up to start this season. The Cardinals organization would be wise to start him on the IR. Now, Murray's fantasy value is predicated on his run game which probably isn't going to be back until next season, even if he suits up to play this season. We're going to go 95% of the bench and only 95 because we don't give 100% on this segment. 95, he'll start on the bench. James Conner. So I don't think he's played in every regular season game in any of his six seasons. And he's had some big ones, right? As recently as 2021, big season. But with Colt McCoy under center to start the season and a, a limited Murray returning, Connor's going to be heavily utilized. So plan on him missing a couple of games. We're going 90% of the bench on the heels of 95% of the bench for Kyler Murray. And lastly, Zach Ertz. So over his first seven seasons, he missed a total of six games. But he's missed 12 over the last three seasons. During week 11 last season, he sustained that season-ending ACL and MCL injury, which he had surgery on in November. And while he's had more recovery time than Murray, Ertz is 32 years old. Reports out of Arizona are that rehab is going well, but I don't think he'll be ready to, for week one. Like Connor, he's 90% of the bench. And a couple of injured birds, indeed. All right, Doc, we appreciate you. We'll see you next time. All righty, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that will, that will do it from the doc. We are going to bring our Arizona Cardinal fans, or excuse me, Eric guests, into the into the building here. This is going to be an exciting night indeed. Let's bring them in. Our next stop on our summer tour, we take a dip in the Red Sea. That's because it's getting hot in here for the Arizona Cardinals. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Getting hot in here indeed. Let's dip into this Red Sea. We'll start ladies first. Jackie, welcome into the studio. Hi, thank you for having me. It's, it's great to be here, and I'm reporting live in the desert. It is extremely hot. 
All right. All right. Like when we have somebody live. And yeah, I believe it is hot. We're down here in Florida. It's a little bit different heat, uh, but still hot. Not as hot as what you guys are dealing with, for sure. Joseph, welcome in. That's the cardinal rule to welcome Joseph in second. Welcome in, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, glad to be on this panel with such brilliant, intelligent, and classy people that you've invited alongside me. Nice. All right. I, like, I love it when we hear that. Well, speaking of classy, let's go to Marcos. Welcome into the studio, friend. Hey, it's nice to be here. And uh, <clears throat> I'm also reporting from the desert. And yeah, it's really hot. I don't know if you guys are noticing nice. all the bottles I was drinking. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Stay hydrated, friends. Absolutely. Blake, welcome into the studio, my friend. Hey, it's good to be here. And Joe was saying he was happy to be with such classy people. Thought he'd say such as Jackie and Marcos. Oh, and then also uh, Blake. You know, just kind of. Oh, yeah. And, then don't, and don't forget about Blake. Absolutely. All right. Well, we got one other guest trying to get in. He's uh, text me. I saw him trying to get in. Or we do have Randall Hill. Um, for old Hurricane and Cardinal player trying to jump in here. So we'll we'll hopefully get him in here in a second. Um, let's talk about start last about talk about last season, right? Finish four and thirteen. Let's pull this band-aid off. Fourth in the NFC West. Um, let's talk about the offensive stats. Points per game were 20, which made you 21st in the league. Yards per game, 330, excuse me, 323.5. That made you 22nd in the league. Passing yards per game, 213.3. That's 18th. Rush yards per game, 110.2. That made you 22nd overall in the league. Defensively, points per game, 26.4 that made you 31st so obviously the big bugaboo defensively yards against 348.9 put you 21st in the league passing yards 230.3 it's made you 24th and rush yards per game 118.6 so there you have last season let's go around the room jackie sum it up for me three words or less last season and expand on it for me it was an eye-opener, an eye-opener that what we did in the offseason prior to last year um, was not going to work. Um, we had doubled down and extended our coach and GM, only for them to have a complete disaster of a season. Um, no kind of free agency moves were made. A lot of drama, a lot of turmoil happened before the start of the season. And so you get to the 2023-22 season, and everything is just a complete disaster from top to bottom. All sides of the ball, leadership, coaching, you know, general manager, you name it. it. It was clear that what we had was not working and something absolutely needed to change. All right. Love it. Um, love the analysis and indeed definite. Joseph, what say you? Three words or less. Roster got kind. Uh, Steve Kime just really messed up this roster. There were so many issues. There were injury issues, issues with not enough pass rush. The cornerbacks, you know, didn't have a lot of veteran depth that you could rely on. Um, and I think part of the problem is his draft strategy was so atypical, so unsound. Drafting, you know, uh, off-ball linebackers back-to-back -back years in the first round instead of premium positions. And when you don't nail the draft, you start trying to patch holes in free agency. The smartest organizations draft premium positions well take advantage of the cost-controlled nature of those contracts and re-sign and extend those core players that have been in the program. And then they use free agency to just patch holes and build some depth. Uh, but the Cardinals were going after 
uh, core players in free agency. And in a salary cap league, if you've not done a good job of building your core players and you're looking for those players in free agency, they're either really expensive premium position players, or if you need to get them at a discount, you go after aging or injury prone players. And so, you know, the roster wasn't uh, constructed very well through the draft. And then the players that they brought in to try to patch those holes had injury histories or were old. And it all just culminated in a season that you look at and you're like, what didn't go wrong this year? Um, The wheels completely came off. So, uh, but to me, you know, there's a constellation of factors, but so much of it comes back to the decisions made by Steve Kine. Well, I mean, that was a definite mouthful, Joseph. And indeed, you're right. The wheels totally fell off um, this football team. Nowhere really to go other than up, really. Marcos, what say you? Three words or less. Terrible. That's one word, but I'm just using it in three parts. Because that's that's all you can uh, pretty much explain. Um, For one, like, there was nothing being... Once the NFL caught up to our offense, there was no adjustments being made on that side. I'm not talking about like with, when it comes to like the type of offense or the type of play calling, I'm talking about where they wanted to attack. So instead of trying to attack that middle of the field more often, trying to get more centric on a like eye formation, let's go ahead and uh, get bodies on bodies, on uh, hat on a hat on offense so that we can try to get some yardage with a running back like James Conner. We just stayed in our like uh, five like empty field, uh, five wide, um, hey, let's put him in shotgun, keep him in shotgun, have him survey the field, and then attack the perimeter more often than the middle of the field. And on defense, it was just the same, same, just like high blitz rate, um, bend but don't break, which I, I, I hate that type of defense. It d- really doesn't work, but um, it was just more so just like, hey, let's just get th- through the end of the season. Let's just get through the end of the season. What happens, happens, and of course, thank God Steve Kime was finally removed. It took this to finally get him off, like get him out of the Cardinals. Well, this is certainly a good reason to get him off. Blake, what say you? How terrible was the Cardinals for them, for you? Yeah, I'm going to say try to fit a big concept into three words. I'm going to go with straw broke camelback. There's a mountain out here called Camelback Mountain that's in Arizona, right in the smack dab at the center of the city. This was the culmination of, like people have said, years of not drafting well, having to trade for outside veteran players. You had three players on the Cardinals offensive line in their 30s, not really anyone coming in to take the place of some of these aging guys. And then staying on the defensive line with guys like J.J. Watt at 34 being your best player. Cardinals ended up essentially – Pushing so much, try to win now, try to win now, and then even gave that vote of confidence with owner Michael Bidwell, handing out contracts to his head coach and his general manager after one of the worst playoff defeats that we'd seen from some time, or at least playoff efforts from the Cardinals. And then they go on and have a dragged out fight with their quarterback over whether he gets extended or not. It was a place where there was so much weight and pressure that was on this team and I think the biggest thing that we can talk about, too, that hasn't been mentioned is a lot of the coaching has really struggled at times to either adapt to the players or finding guys who were the right fit. Uh, Last year, we watched Cliff Kingsbury's offense do great for the first half of the season. They lose DeAndre Hopkins, lose J.J. Watt. Anyone's going to struggle with that. 
But then you watch game one of this season against the Chiefs, and it looked like the exact same offense, the same tendencies, the same even play calls. Um, Cardinals were 32nd ranked in outside zone this year. They just had their tendencies, and they stuck to them. There was not really that much adapting, and if you keep stacking and stacking and stacking those straws on top of the camel's back, eventually it's going to break and crumble. It just happened to do that all at once for the Cards in 2022. Absolutely did. Totally agree. All right. Well, we talked about what was. Let's talk about what is, shall we? So in the offseason, marquee additions, there wasn't really a ton, to be honest. I mean, Kazir White, linebacker, Zach Pascal, receiver. I mean, there was a... I, Eek. I was not I was not overly impressed with the additions they made. However, you made uh, you made the point earlier about drafting well, so that's maybe where we'll we'll look at. But subtractions: Byron Murphy, cornerback, is gone. Zach Allen, um, interior alignment's gone, and Chosen Anderson, of course, is gone as well. No, not a huge loss. All right, let's talk about the draft first. Tackle Paris Johnson, right? Got to sure up this offensive line. It's been a bugaboo for a little bit. So a good first pick to start to start off your base of your offense. Got to like it there. Edge rusher in round two, BJ Ojolari. I hope I said that right from LSU. Round three, cornerback Garrett Williams, Syracuse. Round Also round three, Michael Wilson, receiver from Stanford. Round four, John Gaines, the second from UCLA. Round five, Clayton Toon from Houston. Wow, from Houston, Toon. I don't know, that's a great, great last name. Linebacker Owen Papoe from Auburn. Cornerback K. Trail Clark from Louisville. And another round six, defensive, defensive lineman Dante Stills from West Virginia. All right, so let's go around the room. I'll go opposite this time. Blake, I'll start with you. Give me a prediction for this season. Tell me where those cards are, are going to be at. Ooh, it's tough. It's tough to know because this is such a building everything from the ground up type of season for the Cardinals. Part of why they didn't go out and bring in a lot of additions. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the funny things with those draft picks is they actually had to send one and swap to the Philadelphia Eagles because they've been tampering with Jonathan Cannon as far as their GM had been concerned. So you're talking about and all this offseason controversy, not giving player meals, terrible ranking on their surveys. They have that that gets thrown in there. That's why this draft was such a redeeming factor because you look at how they've set themselves up with players that are able to fill some premium positions. Steve Kime just would draft linebackers most of the time. And you would see on the other side, at least, of them getting pass rushers, edge rushers. I think a lot of what this season is going to be about, though, is going to be tough. We don't know when Kyler Murray's going to be back. And the Cardinals kept Colt McCoy, who has only really played two or three games before leaving with injury this season. So we might see Clayton Toon actually end up playing sooner than later if he's not able to stay healthy. I think the biggest thing for Arizona this season you have to look at is what does their 2024 look like? Do you get enough from Kyler Murray playing to say he's our quarterback? We can get a decent pull from the draft picks Cardinals acquired that Houston Texans 2024 first rounder. And can we at least show enough fight as a team that maybe we don't win a lot of games this season, but we have a future next season. And if it does turn into moving on to a different quarterback, something that you normally wouldn't talk about is just that's kind of how decrepit this roster has been left under Steve Kime. You're kind of putting a lot of the eggs, unfortunately, into next year's basket, which means that you're hoping to see Kyler Murray come back and play well. 
but you're not expecting it at the same time. You're trying to be realistic about this team is actually having to kind of lay the foundation, pour the concrete before they can even start putting up walls. Oh, I, I hear you, man. Absolutely. That's not a great way to go into a season, but the way you looked at it, now I'm feeling a little more uh, positive for you guys. I like it. All right, Marcos, what say you? Well, about going on, on to next season, I just, uh, I'm kind of, I'm happy about the changes that we're going to bring on, especially like on uh, both defense and offense. I'm not 100% sold that like this new type of offensive philosophy is going to be the right fit for Kyler Murray. And, and I, I get that like we need to try something different, but that we got to take, we're taking somebody who's uh, been in the system his entire career and we're changing that all around so that we can put him, hopefully put him more under center and have him be able to execute that like I formation wide zone scheme that like, you know, this Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan type of scheme is known for, you know, you have like moving bodies, like tight ends, move fullbacks and whatnot. So you also got to implement that into a offensive system that has relative, we haven't had a fullback since the Bruce Arians days. So we haven't even seen that type of offense since like before that. So May, that's going to be very interested. I'm all on the whole train of like, I don't care who's the Cardinals quarterback as long as we win. I'm always going to be the Cardinals fan first. If Kyler Murray can execute, then great. If Kyler Murray isn't going to execute, then we know the tough decision that needs to be made. But for, furthermore, that's just what I'm looking for on the defensive side. Like, let me just get this clear about every single uh, draft and whatnot. It's not that like, I get Steve Kahn's strategy isn't sound. I get that. I get that, like, drafting the same type of player on back-to-back. That's not where my criticism is about him, that he didn't. He drafted these players that, like, oh, hey, these, these guys are in the first round. You don't, you don't go for that type of talent in the first round. It's how they were being utilized that was the issue with me. My issue with, with that was he had a defensive coordinator that only seemed to only trust people who had already snaps or some veteran, like, like – just people that had years in the on the defense instead of trusting a rookie to take over. So why would you draft another player that you know your defensive corner is just going to put on the bench and that's really going to bring down the value and put the blame on the player that that player probably wouldn't have had if he went to another type of defense or if he was to flourish with another team. People aren't looking at that as, as a, a big of a bust as it is for the Cardinals. That's the reason why people have that issue with the Cardinals. Like, you, you, why are you drafting first round uh, like linebackers if you're not even going to utilize them right? If they're not going to have good careers here, so that's my issue with that. Do they have talent? Yes, I, I, I 100% believe in their talent. Um, a linebacker can bring up a defense sometimes even by himself. Like Bobby Wagner has the pieces around him have moved around, but he has been the stable for the Seahawks. And why? Because he can he can play in the slot. He can also you know move people around, line them up where he needs to line them up at. They need to put him across the tight end. He'll go and uh, cover the tight end. He'll back up into that Tampa tune, that middle zone, and make sure nothing, no crossers are, like, uh, gone uncontested. So people are afraid to go over the middle when he's on point. That's the reason why he still has that longevity. And uh, I, you know, maybe to a lot of people isn't, isn't that value, but that's only one person. I mean, I know you have to build your defense with cornerback, with edge and everything, edge town and whatnot, but the utilization is the issue, and I have confidence that that's not going to be the issue anymore with this coaching staff on both offense and on defense. 
I like it. Use your guys right. That is the name of the game. I am with you totally. Joseph, what say you, my friend? Give me a prediction for this year. Where are these Cardinals going to be at? So, you know, I'm going to kind of uh, build off of what Blake talked about. When you look at, you know, you mentioned the free agency and we look at the draft and we look at what we're going to expect this year. It all has to be looked at within the context of the kind of the roster building process and where they're at. This is year one with a new regime. And when you're in that situation with having had the kind of disaster we just opined about, what you need to do is you need to sort of clear the decks. Year one is about establishing the culture and installing the, the offensive and defensive systems. And then it's also, though, about kind of figuring out who you need to keep on the roster and bringing in some young talent. So, the, and for example, you looked at the free agency. They brought in Kaiser White. Right. And, you know, uh, uh, Zach Pascal, both players who had experience with the previous coaching staff and another guy who's not a big name, but it is kind of under the radar. An important signing is healthy Froholt, a center. And the, the reason for that is we all know how important centers are in terms of coverages on the offensive line. And, you know, Cardinals fans, myself included, thought the Cardinals were going to draft a center. They didn't uh, unless, uh, you know, they're they're the guy they draft is a guard who's going to become a center potentially. But when you have that center for Holt, who know who comes from, from Cleveland, right. Was playing in that system. And you have Kaiser white, a linebacker who was in the defense that Nick Rouse is going to be the coordinator of um, Zach Pascal, who knows the coaching staff and is the kind of player they want. Those are all the kinds of players you bring in, in this situation. They're not players who are long-term answers. You're not committing to them long-term. So the guys you're drafting can replace them and it's not an issue, but they're guys who know the system, know the culture, and they can be sort of a bridge to doing that. Right? So their free agency made a lot of sense when you look at it within that context. And then you look at the draft, you know, I did a video a while back looking at uh, projecting what I thought Monty Austin Ford's draft strategy would be based on, the draft strategies of the Patriots and the Titans more heavily looking at the Patriots where he was the director of, you know, uh, scouting there. And, you know, they, they looked at uh, kind of values of positions in the draft and he kind of followed that, you know, first round, you take a tackle. It's a premium position. You don't take linebackers, uh, you know, in that, round if you're going with a value-based kind of uh, drafting. You don't, you know, they took a, a interior offensive lineman on day three, right? Um, they took cornerbacks and receivers on day two and edge rushers. They took those premium positions earlier. Um, and he found value in good players and uh, but also did what the Patriots do all the time, which is they like to trade back and add future draft picks, right? And add draft capital. And he did that in a deft and masterful way. So when you look at everything within that context of this is year one of the rebuild, you're bringing in young players that you're going to get them on the field. You've got some free agents to help bridge the culture and the system. But what that means for the product on the field is it's not going to be a good football team this year. Okay, well, Jackie, do you have any, like, kind of positive outlook on this team? No, I'm just playing with you. Good uh, good job, Joseph. Uh, Jackie, what do you say? Give me a prediction for this year. Well, like we all have said, it's going to be extremely ugly. I look at this coming season as an entire season of preseason. You know, it's, it's not going to be a good product, but it's going to be a great opportunity to get a lot of um, younger players um, a lot of rookies, some meaningful reps, and just 
it's good to kind of see like who's going to buy into the team, who wants to play, who wants to be here, doesn't want to be here, who wants to put in the effort. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty ugly. Um, free agency. A lot of people were um, upset that we didn't go after any big targeted names. We let some, you know, key guys go, but you know, you really got to save some money. We're not in position to do anything this year. So, you know, why spend the money? Um, draft comes, we knock that out of the park. We've got a lot of draft capital going into next year. Um, so I think that's going to be the focus is like, hey, we're not going to be good, but we potentially have two top five picks for the 2024 season. We got, we got DeAndre Hopkins off our books. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Kyler Murray because – I know he does want to play. We would like to see him play because that's what we're paying him to do. Um, but if it doesn't make sense for him to wheel him out, you know, midseason, if we haven't won a single game, then, you know, so be it. Um, I don't foresee us going with the Caleb Williams. Uh, I don't like that idea at all. I don't like a, trying to bring in a rookie here because I feel like we kind of did that already with Kyler and Rosen. So it's just like, let's just get a guy that knows our knows the team, has some NFL level experience and, Let's just roll with it. And he's got a lot of learning and catching up to do with this new system, um, rehab. Um, so I actually am looking forward to the season just to kind of see who wants to be here, you know, just players that can break out, make a name for themselves. And I'm really excited to see um, what this whole new system will look like, new coach, new GM, new everybody. Um, it's, it's a really refreshing restart for the team for sure. Yeah, and it might not take long. You never know. I'm Some teams bounce back quicker than others. I feel like Cardinals are one of those teams that always ends up reloading rather quickly, and they're all up in the mix for a little bit, and then you might not see them for a couple of years, but then they're right back in it again. So I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited for this team, although, like you guys, maybe not this season, and my Internet is still sucking. All right, so we talked about last year we got all depressed it's sad it's 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 not the greatest outlook right but let's have a little fun now all right we're gonna split the teams up i'm my internet is really messing up i apologize so we're listening we're gonna split teams up we're gonna play fantasy feud or excuse me we're gonna play fantasy quiz show cardinals edition i can't even get my stuff straight so we're gonna do i think on one side let's do jackie and joseph and we'll do blake and marcos on the other how this game works is just like family feud i'll ask you a question just shout out the answer if you have the the largest one with the uh go the higher answer you'll win it for your team you guys can close out the round obviously every wrong answer you get a strike if you get three strikes the other team gets a chance to steal all right well here we go let's get it on it's fantasy quiz show there seems to be no sign of intelligence it's the fantasy <laughs> quiz show uh justin jefferson. <laughs> justin jefferson it's gonna be a long game <laughs> not gonna be a long game tonight we got cardinals experts in the building Let's start it out. Jackie and Marcos, mano y mano for the first round. We're going to go top five answers on the board. And again, this is going to go all-time Cardinals history, so I hope you're ready. I'm looking for your, for your top five receiving touchdown leaders. Larry Fitzgerald. 
Larry Fitzgerald. Well, oh, are you ever going, Marcos? Are, are we going like that, five in a row? You got that? No, we're going to go to your teammate next, but you got the first one correct. And Larry Fitzgerald is number one on the list with 121. So you have earned it for your team. Blake, you got another answer. I'm going to go with one that I know is up there, but not maybe like the more deeper cut. I'm going to go with Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden. He is on the list. He is number five with 44. Back to you, Marcos. Oh, man. Ooh, this is going to be a tough one because after that, like, it really falls off. <laughs> well, I hope your granddad watched the Cardinals. <laughs> that it probably has to go back to that point. Uh, I'm just going to have to throw a name out. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I can it's hard. It's hard. Um what was that other receiver that was part of the big three? Anquan Bolden, Larry Fitzgerald, and Steve Breston. Not on the list. Blake, what say you? All right, I'm gonna go with someone who I know is on the list. It's the other receiver, I was hoping you'd say, which is Roy Jetstream Green is one of the other players there. Roy Jetstream Green. Love the nickname even, too. It's extra points for you, sir. He's number two on the list with 66. All right, Marcos, back to you. Wow. Oh, I had to throw one out there. So this is the problem is I don't know the long-tenured receivers, especially from back then. So There's one in particular I'm thinking of, but we'll see. I may not know the top mm. five. Uh. I, I'm just gonna throw out DeAndre Hopkins. I know he's not on the list, but I, I, I can't. I, I drew a blank. D Hop. All right. Well, there's two answers remaining here. Um, it's number three and number four, and you got two strikes. Can you get one of them? I'm going to go with an old name because this guy has a lot of records. He's a tight end. Cardinals, Jackie Smith, is he on the list? Jackie Smith? Stop it. Get some help. No <laughs> bueno for that one. Jackie and Joseph, now you can talk this over uh, since it's the steal round. So if you guys can come with a consensus answer and steal it away. Jackie, so, okay, I've got two names I'm pondering. Uh, Rob Moore okay. is one name I'm pondering. And the other is kind of a little bit uh, out of left field, but Larry Centers. Um, I know, I mean, he had a lot of receptions. I, I don't know that he had a ton of receiving touchdowns, but there's a volume there. So maybe, um, of course, Randall Hill is also a possible answer. So those, <laughs> those are my three kind of that I'm pondering. Uh, what do you, what do you, what think you, Jackie? I want to say it's Larry Centers. We'll go with that. Um, I'm good with that. Listen, we're going to give you all of those answers. What do you say, Judge? <laughs> so, 
So they were all bad. Oh, no. Number three is Sonny Randall with 60. So Sonny, whatever you want, his nickname was Randall. And Mel Gray is number mm. four on this list with 45. I mean, that's back really the 60s cool. and 70s now. Are these like, I mean, yeah, that's, it's are these the Chicago Cardinals? Yeah, the Chicago's in there too. There's all the whole history of the Cardinals was in there. So mm. I could Jackie no Smith was sixth. I just looked up. I was just <laughs> outside the top five. He was sixth. <laughs> so close. So close. He's, he's pulling out the Google machine, folks. All right, I gotta switch it up on you then. Let's go, Joseph and Blake for round number two. And I'm still gonna stick with all-time history, but I'm going to switch this up and go winning percentage. What I want to know is, what are the teams that you have the all-time best winning percentage against? Oh. Uh... <laughs> I'm going to go with just bad te teams that have been bad for a long time. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to guess Tampa Bay. The Bucks. Recently they've been good, but... They're on a lot of lists, so it wasn't a bad guess, just not on this one. Blake, what do you say? <laughs> All right. I'm going to like keep in mind that the Cardinals were back in like the 19... Like a long time ago, they were it's in the only, NFC it's East. Only, now, I will say this one, oh, okay. I only went with teams that are actually in, that are active today. Active today? Okay, because I was going to say, like, I'm thinking... Yeah, I, I was going to do that. I don't know. They used to be in the NFC East, so there's not teams that are inactive. And I know out of the teams in the NFC East, the teams that used to be really good were the Dallas, were New York was a good one. I know Philly had never won a championship before. Are the Philadelphia Eagles one of those teams? The Philadelphia Eagles. I was either them or Washington, and I decided I'd pick Eagles because we've beaten the Eagles the last few years. <laughs> They're number year. five. Five on the list just made the list 59 57 and five so you have taken over great job that for your team has got it again marcos what guess do you have the cincinnati Bengals. the Bengals. not on this list blake what do you say uh, I'm going to go with the Rams, the Los Angeles Rams, previously St. Louis Rams. The Rams. This question always trips everyone up, so don't worry at all. All right, so they, you got a lot of meat on this bone, Marcus. You got to get a little nibble here. That's You got get a little nibble off this bone. Let's see if you can get it. There's what? 32 teams you've guys guessed about three of them so you got about 29 to go <laughs> the new york giants maybe the new york giants uh, okay so no go for number three for you my friend all right, Jackie and Joseph, as I alluded to earlier, a lot of meat here. Can you guys take a nibble and steal this away? Yeah, Jackie, they've actually played pretty well against Seattle over the last decade or so. so even when the Cardinals weren't great and Seattle was good, that might be a guess. Um, that was going to be my guess. Okay, well, then why don't we go with that? That's We're both on that page. All right, the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. 
Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh, not for you guys tonight. Yeah, 2-0 right now. Blake and Marcos, get ready for this list, all right? This is why a little bit of education tonight. You ready? Number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars. You guys are on the right train here. Four and two all time against the Jags. Not impressive, but impressive enough to be 667. You know who's tied with that same winning percentage? The Tennessee Titans. You guys are eight and four also against the Titans. Number three, again, going down the same road, the Houston Texans. You guys are three and two. All time against the Texans. That's a 600 winning percentage. And then number four, the Saints. You guys are 16 and 15 against the Saints, believe it or not. If you don't know, now you know. We're going to go now, Jackie Marcos. Listen, Jackie, you got to get this for your squad here. You guys got to move on up. But this is, I'm not going to make this easy on you, though, because we're in the nitty gritty. I'm going to stay with winning percentages. But I'm going to go the opposite end. I want to know the teams you have the worst winning percentages against. San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers. Dang. No go there, Marcos. How about you? The Carolina Panthers. The Panthers. Okay, Jackie, back to you. We might be getting the OT rules in a minute. Let's see. Jackie, what's your guess? Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys. No Cowboys on the list here. Marcos, what do you say? Just trying to think about teams we just can't beat, and that was my one. Um I think I, I can think of one. I can think of one too. I can think of one. Mm. Don't worry, Blake. Yeah, we'll just ones that we struggle I, with. Give any help maybe the maybe, maybe the Detroit Lions. We've lost tons of time to them. The Detroit Lions. All right. Well, since we haven't gotten a guess, this is when we get into OT rules. So basically, how this works now is is that Jackie will go. We'll start with you again, and we'll go back to Marcos. But and then we'll start to go back through the partners. That's how we'll work it. Whoever gets it first, you guys will basically will end it, and the other team will get one chance to get higher than you unless you get the number one answer overall. So Jackie, what guess do you have? Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers. Marcos? Uh, the, the Rams? The Rams. This always trips people up. Gotta love it. Joseph? The Patriots. The Patriots. <laughs> Another team that's been on a lot of lists on this end, so good guess indeed. Blake, what say you? Uh, I'm thinking of like newer teams that you talked about at least for some. Um, I'm I'm gonna say both. I'm gonna say Baltimore Ravens at least. I think the Baltimore Ravens oh. they haven't won games against the Ravens. So good answer. Ravens are on this list. <laughs> you are two and five. All time against the Patriots, that puts him in at number five. So, Jackie, 
You get one chance here to keep yourself in this game. There's a lot of meat that you can get. One, two, three, or four. Um, let's hear what you got. Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs. Jackie keeps them in the game. The Chiefs are th number three on this list. Three, ten, and one all time against the Chiefs. Number one on this list, the Denver Broncos. You guys are one, ten, and one against the Broncos. Ugh. Number two, it's America's team, the Miami Dolphins. You guys are three and ten against the Dolphins. Uh, Chargers come in at number four at four and 11. Um, that's a 267 average. So great job, Jackie. Keep you guys in it. Joseph and Blake, let's get it on. It's 2-1. We're going into round number four. We're going back to all-time history. And I want to know top five answers on the board. Who are your Rush TD leaders? Ooh, Rushing TD, uh, Edger and James. Edger and James. Not on the list, crazy enough, Blake. Is Charlie Trippy on the list? Charlie Trippy. We're going way back. Now, this is like a 1950s like type of guy, at least. I'm trying to think of these old guys when they there's, just did nothing but run the football. There's there's five of them here, so let's see. There, all right. I'm not gonna. I'll be, you almost got me giving stuff away. All right, Joseph, what'd you say? <laughs> How about Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray. Feel like he should be on that list. All right, Blake, what say you? If we don't get it, we're going OT. Uh, okay, there's two running backs that they drafted really highly that left. One was Larry Johnson, but I'm going to go with Garrison Hurst. Garrison Hurst. Yeah. All right, Rohan OT. <laughs> Joseph, what say you? Uh, Stump Mitchell. Ooh, I think that one's Stump on there. Mitchell. Every time we go to OT, the, the team that gets it right gets the number five answer on here. It's number five, Stump Mitchell with 32. There's one, two, three, and four, Blake. Can't, or Sorry, I got to go to Marcos because we're going to the other team now. Marcos, one, two, three, or four. Can you name one of those Brush TD leaders? David Johnson. David Johnson. Yes. Was waiting for that one in his back pocket. Great job. He's actually number four on the list with 33. Number one, Otis Anderson, 46 CDs. Number two, Wayne Morris with 37. And number three, Don, excuse me, John David Crow. He comes in with 33 at three. So there is your list. If you don't know, now you know. Congratulations, uh, Marcos. Great job there. He snagged it for you and Blake. You guys are tonight's winners. I mean, no we really have.
that I, something's oh. going on in the back back there. I think I, I got to fire my guy here. <laughs> Let's, get, <laughs> Let's do it again. Blake was so excited, he knocked himself off the internet. He was so excited to win. I got played, got played off like the Oscars, you know? Like, they just kind of yanked me off. <laughs> Jackie and Joseph, I apologize. But it is tradition on our show. When we have winners, we do have some losers. So you're telling me there's a chance. Fun game all the way around, guys. We appreciate you. Hope you guys had a good time, at least with and learned a little something about Cardinals history. Let's go to Jackie first. Where can we follow, subscribe, get all your great content? So you can follow me on Twitter at JSanDiego and also um, the Arizona Sports Underground, where I do uh, Cardinals podcasting and writing. Where in the world is Jay San Diego? I'm you're probably like, oh my god, that's like totally old and you're showing your age. Joseph, welcome in. You tell us where we can follow, subscribe, get all your great content, sir. Well, on Twitter, at least so long as it still exists, you can find me at Jocomo13, as you see uh there. Uh and on the YouTube, uh at the Cardinal Rule, that's kind of my main platform. And then also uh along with Jackie and Marcos, uh, you can find me uh doing stuff with AZ Sports Underground. Awesome. We'll make sure we get all of your great content for the season coming up. Blake, where can we follow, subscribe, get your great stuff, sir? Yeah, writing with uh, Revenge of the Birds. Also, you can find me with the Redbird Reboot podcast, which we're kind of rebooting the podcast that I've been having for the last few years. Should be a lot of fun. And find me on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7. I think there's also threads or something like that. I wasn't thready for another social media network, is like what I joked about, but apparently it's out there. He's rebooting just like the Cardinals are rebooting. How ironic. Let's go to Marcos. Where can we follow, subscribe, get your great stuff, sir? You can follow me at, at Pancake Soul on Twitter. Uh, make sure that you have the S and the S in the middle, not all together. And uh, I'm an AZ Sports Underground contributor. So you can find articles there and hopefully get into podcasting soon. But for the meantime, you can follow me on my Twitter through my Twitter handle. All right. Well, awesome. We appreciate you having you on. Great guest tonight. So we appreciate hope you do get into the podcasting. All right. If you guys want to stick around, please do. We're going to do a fantasy focus on the Cardinals. You got to take off. That's cool. We're going to take a quick commercial break. If you do take off, want to say thank you and good luck to your Cardinals this season. We appreciate you. We'll be back. Fantasy Sports Corp and Underdog Fantasy have teamed up to start your fantasy season off in the win column with Best Ball. What is Best Ball? It's quite simply the easiest way to win. No team management, no trades, no waivers. It's their biggest contest ever and it has only gotten bigger. You simply have to sit and win. You don't even have to set your lineup. Always get your best score every week. Just enter a contest, draft your team, and Underdog will do the rest. What could make this even better? How about free money? Up to $100 using our exclusive promo code. Go online now and use the promo code TSS to double your deposit up to $100. You tell them Gingerbread sent you. Good girl. 
All right. Well, let's get it on. It's time to a little fantasy focus on the Cardinals. All right, well, we like to start, of course, our fantasy focus with the QB position. But to be quite frank, after we were talking here tonight, it's like, why do I have Kyler Murray so high when we don't even know if he'll even play the season with him? Now, again, all reports are he's going to be somewhat ready to go. But, you know, again, it's ACL injury. Um, Doc's talked about it quite extensively for running backs. Um, not quite the same when when you're back on the field running. And it just makes sense. You've had an injury, a major injury to your knee. And it's, you know, the stability of these big men running around and diving at your leg. It, it makes you worry. I mean, it just makes sense, right? So, um, again, that's a lot where his uh, his offense is predicated on him running a lot. He's got a great arm, of course. Um, but, you know, does he rush back, you know, with this team struggling as it is? That's going to be a big question mark. Um, so I need to reevaluate, to be honest with you, where I got Kyler Murray this season. Uh, but let's kick it around the room. We're going to talk to Nick first. Let's go to you since you're in the back. What do you say about Kyler? Uh, I think Kyler is a great player. He just he just right now he's just in a bad bad situation given given the injury, uh, and given given the state of the of the organization. But just based on skill, I have him uh, ranked at 20th, and our good friends over at Fantasy Pros have him ranked at 24th. So that's probably right where you're you're going to get him. You could probably get him, take a flyer. You know, whoever heard of taking a flyer on Kyler Murray uh, to, on on late rounds? Because given the fact that you know, he might not be back until the end of October and, and November, and then by that time, what's the state of the team going going to be? Are are they going to be above uh, around 500, or where are they going going to be? So it's going to be. Caution. Approach with caution. Yes, sir. Caution indeed. All right. Well, let's go to Justin. I have him 19th, actually. But that's why as I started talking, I was like, maybe I need to really evaluate where I am. Justin, what say you, friend? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with Nick. That's why I have him 32nd. And it's not the talent. The talent is obviously there. It's the fact that he's going to be missing a good chunk of games. Like Nick said, where is the status of the organization going to be? Are they going to want to throw him out there right away? Are they going to say, no, man, heal up completely and we'll take this over next year with our draft class where we're going to have two bona fide top five picks? Um, just from an organizational standpoint, I would understand them totally giving him kind of like a a bench year or a red shirt year just to kind of make sure you're a thousand percent ready to go for the next season. But obviously that's probably not going to happen. I imagine they'll probably try and get him out there around week eight. And then from week eight on, that's only half the season. So that's where I'm kind of assuming it's going to be 32. Um, just from stat wise, I don't think he's going to be running the ball nearly as much like Coop said. And, you know, this team is kind of depleted of weapons. So it's going to be really tough for him to be going on top 20 performances or even, you know, top 25 performances with uh, all those things going against him. Got you. All right, listen, um, I got to interrupt this little, our little flow here for a second. Randall Hill finally got in. I finally see him in the back now. I was like, I meant to bring him in. He says he's been waiting so long. I feel so bad. Let's bring in Randall, the Thrill Hill. Welcome in to the studio, my friend. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. 
No, we appreciate you being here. It's funny, and I saw you on Facebook, um, and I noticed you had said um, working for Department of Homeland Security. Um, the one question I had about that for you was, did you ever have to chase anyone down? Because I was thinking when I first saw that, because if you did, it was over real quick, I bet. No, I'm, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit older now, so I, I write for a living. Um, you can run away from me, but uh, you can't outrun my pen uh, and, and my and my reports. So um, I don't chase anybody anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. We're talking about uh, Homeland Security tournaments where they're just like itching to get you on the squad, huh? Not going to happen. Not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> No way, no he way. Said, you know, I, I had fun when I was playing the game, he... but 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 you know, I the way I look at life is um um you know football is uh is a, is an opportunity and, and the NFL is an opportunity to give you a jump start on life. Uh but uh you have to move on and you, you know you, you you some legends uh just fade off into the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're brighten you're brightening up our, our set, so we appreciate you being here, my friend. Um, we're talking about you. Kyler Murray right now. We're talking about uh, the we're basically we're doing a fantasy focus on on Kyler Murray, kind of talking about him um, and what his expectations are. Joseph, I'll go to you, and then we'll get it to Randall. How, how, where do you feel uh, Kyler is this season? Where do you have Matt? So you know, if you're talking about uh, you know obviously a, a season long uh, draft league. Um, the, the reason you would take someone like Kyler Murray in the situation he's in right now is to hold on to him on your bench and hope that he's going to elevate your team, you know, down the stretch. And, and, you know, when you're doing that though, you're looking at a position quarterback that unless you're in a two quarterback league, you know, there's just so much depth at the position. So, you know, I, as much as I love Kyler Murray and I'm a huge Cardinals fan, always have been, I'm not likely going to draft him to stash him there. I'd rather use that spot for like a running back kind of lottery ticket uh, and go with a more sure bet thing. And then, you know, if you are though going to go with Murray and stash him and hope that he elevates your team down the stretch, one of the things that, you know, Dr. Miller discussed is that the running is takes longer to get back, right? You know, the recovery time on ACL injuries is minimum six months, but it's, it can be longer depending on, on milestones. But even at that, what they often say is it's the second year back when you're really up to speed in terms of your running. Now, Kyler Murray has great arm talent. So I don't want to, you know, kind of go with some sort of stereotype that he's, a, a, you know, running back or, you know, quarterback who can only run. He has the arm talent to make all the plays, but part of what elevates his floor and makes the ceiling so high is the running ability. And if I'm stashing someone to kind of, you know, salvage my fantasy year down the stretch, um, as much as I love Kyler Murray, I think he's capable of doing that. Just the odds say that the running isn't going to quite be there like it normally has been and like it will be next year. So I'm probably not going to dedicate a roster spot to having him sitting there for eight weeks or what have you when I could use that spot for, like like I said, kind of a running back lottery ticket. Indeed. Blake, what do you say about Kyler? Yeah, I agree. It's not just the ACL, but there was meniscus tear. I know that went into it too. When you look at quarterbacks statistically who have an ACL tear and then look at their following seasons, I put together like the last 12 years looking at a lot of different quarterbacks who, uh, which included some guys like Joe Burrow, Carson Palmer, who didn't run a lot. There were some guys who did like RG3. And the one thing that really stood out was that the quarterbacks who did well when they came back, their passing yards went up. 
But the issue, of course, with the Cardinals trading away DeAndre Hopkins is when you look at Kyler as a runner, all of those quarterbacks lost at least one yard per attempt of rushing, which means that you'd probably look at if you attempt 63 for, like, say, 700 yards with Kyler, you're going to be then chopping down not just the attempts, but also how much he gets on each of those. Sacks and interceptions also went up. So depending on the league you're in, I think it depends situationally. If you're in a spot where your choice is I get to pick a rookie quarterback or a Kyler Murray as a lottery ticket, and I feel pretty confident about my starter, then maybe you could end up taking him for one of those reasons and see where it goes late in the season. But most likely he's going to probably not end up being drafted by many people unless we start hearing more and more news down the stretch that he's going to be back sooner than we think. Uh, if he's not going to be back, I think, by this week six to week ten time frame, then you're going to start wondering if it is going to be shutting him down for the season. That's going to be a concern because this Cardinals defense – the upside for the quarterback is they're not going to be great. You're going to get a lot of garbage yards, a lot of points potentially from throwing the ball a ton. I'm just not sure that it's going to be that good at fantasy producing overall, even when Kyler comes back and is able to play. Great point on the defense, uh, adding that little bit of oomph to that QB 20, spot. I've got him at 26, 26 was my ranking, actually, I was going to say. I'm at 26. Nice. Nice. Mr. Hill, what do you what do you think about Kyler's uh, prospects this year going into this season? Um, so I'm a realist. Um, and one of the things that, that I look at with um, not just Kyler Murray, Murray, but just with players in general. And what and, you know, I was on your uh, I was listening to your broadcast. I was on for like about 45 minutes and you have a, 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 a crew here of very intelligent individuals. The only thing that this crew that I really do like that that are that are commenting here um, that you have not talked about is one of the things that Jimmy Johnson taught me uh, at the University of Miami and with and the Miami Dolphins. Um, you have to always factor in intangibles, and no one here has mentioned in, intangibles. It, you know, and, and I'll, I'll tell you a quick story, and then, then I'll, I'll get on to Kyle Kyler Murray. So. Um, in college one year, we were getting ready to go play the uh, Cincinnati Bearcats, and it was in, inside. And so was, we were playing in a dome. And Jimmy Johnson, I mean, he yelled at us and made sure that we packed our rain cleats. And everyone's looking at each other like, okay, this guy's crazy, right? He wants us to pack our rain cleats on the inside. We're playing the inside uh, in, a, in a dome. And Jimmy Johnson said, you have to be prepared for all the intangibles just in case the dome breaks and it starts raining. I want to be prepared. So that's a true story. So someone like, like, like a Tyler Murray, um, I don't necessarily think that he has uh, the intangibles uh, to take the team over the edge. Um, I don't see, I don't see the, the like the old school players like a you know is he is he comparable to to an Elway is he comparable to to a Marino even now is he comparable to a Josh Allen um, and even uh, a, a a Tua um, at this particular point so I don't know uh, and, and I don't really get into fantasy um, football maybe I'm too busy in the, in the real world <laughs> being a federal agent trying to save the world like a superhero I am them. I, I am they. I'm a figment of your imagination and dismissed as so. Um, I'm a man in black. Um, I I don't know my my. I have not um, scratched him on my card or off my card. He still hasn't showed me enough yet. All right. I think for the rest of the show, we'll just call him. We'll call him uh, Mr. H. Instead. <laughs> Agent H. 
right, let's get let's get it. Let's go on to the running back position. Um, look, James Conner. I mean, look, when the guy's healthy, he's money, right? I mean, especially the one season he had a couple seasons ago where he was a touchdown magnet. All he could do is get in the end zone. Um, this year, Dr. Miller talked about it earlier on his segment when we did the percent to the bench. They are going to rely heavily on James Conner, period. So for his fantasy perspective, he is good because you will get volume. However, with this offense struggling the way it might, might not be that great for your prospects either. Right now, I got him 24th. He's, to me, an RB2. Um, possible if this offense gets a little flavor to it, he could get up to an RB1, but I don't see it. Keontae Ingram and Corey Clement um, are back there for your handcuffs. Nick, what do you say? Yeah, I'm not worried about uh, Clement and uh, Keontae. I'm, I'm not worried about <laughs> that. Right, handcuffs. exactly. Uh, the problem with James Conner is he's either touchdown or bust. Um, you know, he, he'll get you 12 points a game, but that's that either could be 60 yards and, and no touchdown or just a or touchdown in the end zone. Uh, that's the thing with, with him. Love them whenever he he came out of college and pit and he and he played for the Steelers. But it just see, seems like he had that one peak season thereafter, and then his durability isn't always it's an it's an issue with him. So again, he is, I also have him ranked at at twenty fourth. Uh, he's going to be either a low end flex play. Uh, you can't count him to be like your hero back. And uh, I would also rely him more him heavily on a DFS matchup. All right. I like he. Let's go, Justin. What say you, my friend? Yeah, so I like James Conner. He's uh, 26 for me. But there's specific places where you can get him, and he's going to be a goldmine for you because he's going to be somebody who's going to get you 200-plus touches no matter what. Um Last year when they switched off of Kyler Murray and their offense went towards more heavy of passing game in the second half, he actually surprised and was averaging about seven targets a game. So for losing touches because you're down by a lot of points going into the second half, he made up for it in the passing game. So when I look at that, I go, he's always going to get his touches. He's going to be a focal point of this offense. Nick's right. He has durability issues, but who else are you going to put your uh, money on in this offense? I mean, I, I wouldn't do it with Keontae Ingram. Um, they ran Eno Benjamin out of town. Um, you know, freaking Hollywood Brown's great, but you got to get him the ball first. So way I look at it, you know, James Conner could surprisingly be the pass catching back that you want to get this year is crazy enough to say but you know i think that he's uh he'll, he'll be in for a good season regardless of how his team finishes well all fair points blake what do you say my friend how do you like james connor this season muted <laughs> i was even checking to make sure that i was unmuted there I and mean, he lost his internet so i feel like i just kicked him off now so that's unfortunate <laughs> Yeah, with James Conner, like I like the idea of seeing is that his highest end will be our running back too. Like I agree that I think he could be maybe sneaking to that top twenty if things go right as far as touchdowns are concerned. There's not a lot of guys who've had NFL snaps behind him, just not a lot of experience. And we all know that James Conner, one of the biggest things about him is he's got a lot of heart. 
went out there and not only beat cancer, but after having a lot of injuries with the Steelers, came back and had a career year with the Cardinals. I think that's probably his highest upside. We also know the Cardinals are going to run the ball more likely with this new staff. They've got a wide receivers coach from the Cleveland Browns, going to probably be running that Browns offense that we got to see um, for a number of years. And we saw how that treated Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I do wonder if what could limit him potentially is, like you said, not just injury concerns, but if the Cardinals run the ball more, will that mean they give James Conner more touches or will that mean more running backs will actually get the ball more? Um, the only other back on that team that really seems to have a lot of size is going to be Keontae Ingram, who's a sixth round pick. It does feel really much like this is kind of a little bit of, like you said, a boom or a bust. I would say that maybe you get lucky and get that RB2 at the high end. But if he ends up being more of a flex play overall, at least, maybe he's more of a top 32 level back because they hand the ball off to other guys. That would be his low end. So I think he goes somewhere in the middle with him. He'll probably be pretty happy, at least overall, if you're able to get him there, not too high and not too low. All right, I like it, and I'm back, thankfully. Joseph, what do you say, my friend? What do you got these running backs at? So um, I love James Conner. I love his skill set. He's so good as a bruising back, and but as a big back, people might assume he's not good catching the ball, but he actually is does a really good job catching the ball. And, and I, I love him as a player, as a person, and I love the skill set. The one concern I have actually has to do with the scheme. Um, they're going to be running sort of an outside wide zone, kind of the, you know, the, the, uh, Stefanski uh, branch of the Shanahan tree, so to speak, is likely what they were going to be doing. And, you know, maybe he will do really well in that. And, you know, no team runs just one type of play. So when they run inside zone and kind of stuff, that's a little more power, he's going to do a good job. But a, a name we've kind of brushed past Keontae Ingram might actually be a better fit for that outside zone. Uh, Brett Coleman compared him to Kareem Hunt coming out of the draft in terms of his play style, not necessarily saying he was that level of player. Uh, but I have to wonder if Keontae Ingram is going to be a better fit for that outside wide zone, kind of that one cut style where you're kind of following the blocks, watching for the daylight and then taking a cut up field. Um, so, you know, when I look at the Cardinals, there's just not really many players I'm taking early because of all the things we've talked about. I'm looking for lottery tickets, right? And Keontae Ingram in the late rounds as a player who potentially fits this running scheme, as a guy who's playing behind a running back in James Conner who has had injuries is a play and considering they didn't draft a running back, right? They didn't go bring someone in that tells you they want to see what they've got with their guys. So if I'm drafting late Keontae Ingram's there in the, you know, 12th, 13th, 14th round, I'm looking for a running back. That's excuse me, a lottery ticket. Um, excuse me. I'm going to consider Keontae Ingram at that point. All right, Agent H, I know you don't play fantasy, but let's talk about what you think from your uh, perspective. What do you think of James Conner, uh, just performance this year? How do you think he'll do? Well, first of all, I think it's rude that you make me go behind the professor there. He looks like a professor, and he knows exactly what he's talking about. You know, about. I, that's what I do for the day job. I really am. I'm a sociology professor, no lie. So, well, you know what? Sociology was my major in, uh, oh, in college. Believe I not. knew I yeah. liked you. <laughs> um, so – I like I like Connor because he's not um, he's not just like a, a, a grueling back. Uh, I like him in in space. Uh, someone also mentioned about getting him out, uh, getting the ball in his hands. Uh, uh, 
as a dual threat uh, so he can, you know, catch the ball. I always like having and, – and someone earlier mentioned Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders was, was, was very good with catching the ball out of the backfield. You take a good running back and you put him um, – you, you flex him out and or you, you put him in a slot position and you have him go up against uh, any one of the safeties, I'll bet on that running back any day. So I, I, I like Connor and, and I like what he can do as a dual threat. Yeah, indeed. I mean, let's talk about the receivers. Um, look, I mean, the bottom line is you can call him Marquise, your brother. You can call him Hollywood Brown. Call him money when it matters. He's been great, whoever the QB is. Um, so I like Hollywood Brown going into the season, just depending, of course, however, on who's going to eventually stay in at quarterback to get him the ball. So we'll see how that plays out. I have him right now ranked 30th. So that's where I got him ranked. Rondell Moore, 66 right now. Uh, you know, we'll see. Greg Zorch showed some promise. This is all predicated on who's throwing that football. Is it a lot of volume from Kyler Murray, for example? That'll feed some of these receivers. If we got Colt McCoy, who knows what we're going to see. So, uh, again, a little bit of pre prognostication in this, but what the hell do we know, right? Nick, let's go with you. Do you like any of these guys? I do if uh, Kyler Murray was healthy, and uh, I would like them a lot better if they didn't have – if they weren't playing in front of the 31st-ranked offensive line. Uh, because if you can't block, you can't run, you can't throw. So uh, I, I think with all that combined, a lot of the res these receivers, talented as they may be, they're going to take, take a step back because Murray's hurt. Then next up is um, uh, Colt McCoy. I can't remember the last time he even played a full NFL season uh, due to him being a backup and because he gets injured. So, again, I, I'm not going to target any of these wide receivers. If they're there and they're, they happen to be the best player in that spot, I will draft them. But I will not look to say, okay, to fill out my roster, I'm going to pick Hollywood Brown because – he also um, he also underperformed when he was in Baltimore with uh, Lamar Jackson. So he's had great talent and great hype coming out, but he hasn't performed up to his his billing, and that's what scares me about Hollywood Brown. All right, some great analysis there, Nick. What do you say, Justin? Uh, yeah, so I, I like him for for what it's worth. I mean, he's he's going out of value right now, so that's kind of what you got to really look at it as, you know, if you're getting your wide receiver three or four and he's the wide receiver one on that team, then, you know, you're, you're booking in a hundred targets for a flex guy, which is, that's pretty awesome. That's kind of what you want. Um, that's a perfect world right there where they hundred quality targets. That's uh, up and down, but I'll tell you what, if this guy's getting 10 targets a game, then there's a good chance that he can bring down at least five of them and put some yardage on it and maybe a touchdown. So I'll take him at his current value. My current valuation of him is about 35. So right about the end of the wide receiver three range. Um, this offense is, it's going to be interesting because I actually think Clayton Toon's going to have a, a big role in this offense if it's prolonged to about week eight. I don't think Colt McCoy can hold up this team for that long. I think they'd rather, you know, give it a shot to the young kid from Houston who threw 40 touchdowns last year in a high-octane offense. So 
It's going to be interesting to see who's playing quarterback. Rondale Moore is somebody I've been burned by the past two years and I want no part of anymore. Um, and then Greg Dortch. Uh, I, I liked what he did last year, but that was with Kyler Murray. So I am going to be on the wait and see with Greg Dortch. Then anybody else? My- Maybe Michael Wilson. Maybe Michael Wilson because he might fit into that uh, DeAndre Hopkins role. Let me not be a rude host and be rude to Agent H because we got a real receiver in the building tonight. Let us know what you think of these receivers, my friend. I, you know, I haven't really paid too much attention to him, but you know, I was uh, looking. I did look at some of um, Hollywood Brown's uh, uh, stats, and in a situation like this, especially when you have you know uncertainty at the quarterback position. Um, somebody needs to break out. Somebody oh. probably will break out. And if anybody would be that guy, it would be Hollywood Brown because, you know, teams are not going to play him like he's a, a number one receiver. Uh, he only has, what, seven, 800 yards last year. Uh, so he may be able to sneak in there and and, and have a couple of big plays um, and, and, and get more targets. Um, but it all, all depends on the quarterback situation, which you guys have talked about a lot. Um, so what we're going to just say right now, and, and the professor would agree agree, agree with me, um, that uh, Arizona Cardinals have a family deviant behavior right now. So we, we'll figure it. We'll, they'll figure. We'll figure it out. Nice, nice little criminology in there. I love it. I love it, Blake. What do you say, friend? Uh, the biggest thing is it's so unknown. Hollywood Brown is a guy who, if you look at his first six games he played with Kyler Murray, he was getting 10 targets a game on average and getting, I think, at least three touchdowns or so. Like That was a case with Kyler Murray. We don't know when Kyler plays. I think that Hollywood, like you said, you're looking at a guy who you want to draft in like the wide receiver three range and hope you luck into him being a wide receiver two where he's able to be that kind of reliable main receiver for them. Uh, like you said, if Rondell Moore could play the Minnesota Vikings every single game, like he'd probably be the greatest fantasy star ever. He gets like hundreds of yards against them, but he then gets hurt and you're then having to rely on someone like a Greg Dortch. I, I do agree that the one that would be maybe the sleeper that you could look at at least would be Michael Wilson because he's got size. They've at least liked him. He's been at least impressive so far in camp. He's got that fit. I just think that it's going to be probably Zach Pascal who starts the season at least in that spot because he knows the coaching staff will be able to at least trust him, know what he's capable of. It really is kind of a toss-up as well because I think you may want to look at the tight end options because I think the Cardinals are going to run the ball more, have more tight end possibility, and maybe more involvement than we've seen, such as in the Cliff Kingsbury offense, in the blocking game and maybe even passing game. Let, let me jump back in here real Asia quick. Hill, um, yeah, real quick. Um, one of the things that, because I mean, this is honestly, you guys are, are a really good group, and you you um you know what you're talking about. So with the receiver position, especially with um you know the an uncertainty in the quarterback position, which one of these receivers are going to be? Oh, I got a killer. <laughs> um, which one of these? Which one of these receivers will be able to bring that rack and or yak? To, to the offense, not just catching the ball and, and going down, but actually getting that ex, those, those extra yards. Um, I can't answer that question. I just want to know which one of you guys think um, that receiver is going to be who's going to help, you know, um, the, the quarterback position by the, by the yak and rack. Yeah, that, that's a great right. question and point. I, I will say, like, in terms of uh, yards after catch, Rondell Moore is like a running back with the ball in his hands. His elusiveness is – 
amazing. The problem has been the injuries and probably some of that is some of the strain and tension from those cuts. You know, when you move that quickly, it puts extra strain on those muscles torque. Um, but Hollywood Brown is the guy, like I watched, you know, obviously all of his games last year. And mm-hmm. I think the impression people have of him is he's just a guy who gets, you know, over the top of the defense and it's mm-hmm. all or nothing, but he had a lot of games where he had multiple receptions, short, medium, and long, and, and was really effective. I, I t- you know, he played in 12 games, uh, had 67 receptions, 709 yards, three touchdowns. I extrapolated that if he had played all 17 games, and that projects out to 94 receptions, 1,004 yards, four touchdowns, which is a solid season. Like, he was not just the guy who's going to get 60 receptions and seven deep touchdowns that you think of, right? So he, he, he's more, I don't want to, he's not a position receiver, but he can get those shorter catches more than people think, because I think there's a stereotype of him as that burner, which he's capable of. So I, but I do think he's the guy who can take the top off the defense. I think he's a guy they're going to look to as long as he's healthy. Um, you know, in, in, in a video with uh, Jonathan Gannon, when he first met Rondell Moore in a weird kind of cringy thing, he's like, you know, rockets, if you haven't seen the, the, the clip, it's funny, but he was talking about Rondell Moore's speed and Rondell Moore was used as a gadget player last year. Like everything was behind the line of scrimmage for the last couple of years. And people were Cardinals fans, myself included, were frustrated because we know how fast he is. Right. And I think this coaching staff wants to get him deep as well. And then I just want to add, uh, you know, Michael Wilson, everyone was talking about, and I think he might, he could be like the steal of the draft. You know, he, he had some injuries, which, which hurt his performance. Uh, you know, they were mostly bone injuries, which, you know, they weren't soft tissue injuries. So there's a hope that they're not going to be like, you know, lingering hamstring problems, but he's a guy that if you're in a, 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 a keeper league, he's a guy I'm looking at because like in terms of his ability to run routes and get separation and his, his body style, like his physical comp inter and his play style comp is Devonte Adams in terms of how he looks and plays. Now, again, not saying he's that good of a player, but his ability to get separation as a little bit bigger receiver, um, you know, and Jim Nagy at the senior bowl, sent out a tweet showing clips of that, of him getting open and getting separation. Um, He's a guy that could become that X receiver, you know, replacing Hopkins. And like Blake said, he's been getting rave reviews. So again, I'm looking for lottery tickets with this team because they're in a reset, right? You're, you don't have consistent performers, maybe Hollywood Brown. If he slides because the national narrative is down on him, you might get him later. So I take him then, but I'm not taking him early. But as terms as lottery tickets go, I'm going to look at Michael Wilson. Interesting. And Blake laid Blake laid it out perfectly to transition because let's talk about these tight ends, and we're going to wrap. We'll wrap it up also with the defense because, quite frankly, fantasy purposes, there's no way I'm drafting the Cardinals, and I don't see a game I would even stream them over another defense. So we can wrap that up real quick, but. With the tight end position, this is interesting because this injury with Zach Ertz, again, same thing, like coming back from this ACL, he's older. Uh, Dr. Miller talked about it earlier, the age, obviously the difference with coming back with this. So enter Trey McBride, who was drafted last season, a lot of prospects, but when he played last year, was okay at times. But again, we're going to go back to what we said earlier all predicated on who throws this football. Um, yep. So, again, 
Trey McBride seems to be a good guy dynasty wise to maybe snag um, Zach Ertz this season of too much question marks going in with his age and the injury coming in and see how long it's going to take him to get back in. So be honest with you. That's the only way I'm really looking at Trey McBride right now is in those more dynasty formats. Um, that's where I see him. There's really, uh, you know, you could take a flyer on Zach um, and then him come back. But again, who's throwing the football? Nick, what do you say? Yeah, I pretty much concur with everything that you said. You know, you know me, Zach Ertz is is an old sentimental favorite of mine. Uh, wish he would have nef- would have never left Philly, but then we we wouldn't have Goddard. Um, and you know, we we talk about it almost every every night on on the show. Rookie tight ends don't really do anything until like year two or three, anyway. So uh, this is going to be the the year where Ertz steps back, and then McBride. Uh, takes takes a step up. They might even want to consider it. I don't know uh, exactly who's running the def- the the offense, uh, ex- and I don't know if, uh, how much Gan how much control Gannon's going to give. But they might want to think about in some sets running a double tight end set like like New England did because of the lack of of wide receiver depth and quarterback depth, and of course the the O-line. So they got to, instead of going to the five, seven drops, you need to go to a, a three, three step drop fired out. And you know, um, when he's healthy, Ertz, Ertz could get your yak. I mean, is he the Ertz of 26, 27? No, but every dog has his day and he can, he can have a cu- couple of good games. So, so, so there's guys that are going to be your, your late round. Let me see if he's available draft or wait, and pick them up on a on the, on a, the wire or, or a, a DFS option. Justin, what do you say? Uh, yeah, so I agree with Nick. I think that they would be uh, best benefited to bring in all of their weapons as much as possible. Um, I do think that Trey McBride is a talented individual. He was in my opinion, the best um, guy for being able to put it all together as far as a blocker and a pass catcher out of last year's class. Um, he didn't see the field because Zach Ertz was there, but this year could obviously open the door for him. He's a three-down type of guy, so he's never going to leave the field. Uh, the biggest problem is that this offense may not score a lot of points, so you're kind of looking at it from the, the spectrum of, do I really want to draft uh, Arizona Cardinals tight end? He's probably going to be like the second or third guy on this team as far as targets goes, considering Connor and Hollywood Brown. Uh, and then, you know, you kind, of, you kind of dig into it so you can look at both sides of the coin. It doesn't take much to make it as a tight end. So if I'm anybody drafting right now and I have something like a tight end premium league, I'll go out and draft him just for the hell of it, just to have a third or fourth tight end on my squad. Uh, if you're just drafting single redrafts and you don't really need too many tight ends on your team, just leave him on the waiver wire. When he impresses you, pick him up. Indeed. All right, Agent H, what do you think of these two big boys? You like any of the tight ends from Arizona's here? So I, I'm not familiar with them, but but um, the gentleman right above me, he made a very, very, very valid point. Um, when you talk about uh, bringing two tight ends in, and uh, you know the, the the Patriots did that, and I want to say uh, some years ago, um, there several other teams did that. I, I want to say it was Washington Redskins, maybe. Um, I, I I can't recall, but but when so so 
when 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 a team is putting in their defensive game plan, um, that gives them a lot to think about because if you have two tight ends that are in a game, um, now you have to worry about, like I said before, a dual threat. You have to worry about blocking <laughs> with a run game and uh, tight ends. And, and and the thing about tight ends, yeah, they're not receivers, but if you can get them in the sh- very short and intermediate routes. Um, for a tight end in the NFL, that is like a handoff. So if you can't hand the ball off to the tight end, that is a, that is a damn problem. So it, I, I like that idea with the two tight ends. Um, I, uh, um, New England was very uh, successful with it, um, even though one guy went crazy and ended up killing himself. Um, however, um, I, I think that that is something. And you know what? And I'm saying that – and. Look who the hell said that. I'm a wide receiver. You're taking a receiver out of the game, possibly. <laughs> but I do like that. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. I do like that idea with, with two tight ends. That, and I didn't think about that uh, until you said that. So whenever somebody else calls me out to uh, to, to talk about uh, football and tight ends, I'm going to steal your thunder. Uh, and if you say it was you who did it, I will make you disappear because I am a federal agent. <laughs> this is the first time Nick Nick has gotten a take. <laughs> Someone's been impressed with Nick's take. I can't even believe it. Unbelievable. You, you hear that, Nick? The men in black are coming for you. <laughs> I, am, I am Mr. Nobody. I am Mr. <laughs> nobody. The, yeah, trust me. Trust me, Agent H. He is definitely a nobody. All right, Blake, let's go to you, my friend. What do you say? Yeah, I, I do think that, like you said, one of the things I would expect from the Cardinals this year is I do think that we're going to see a lot more 12 personnel, a lot more two mm-hmm. tight ends on the field. I thought we were going to get this last year. It's like, oh, this is great. Cardinals are drafting. They're going to have Zach Ertz and get a guy in Trey McBride on the field. And then you watch Cliff Kingsbury just kind of run a lot of the receivers out there, and you're like, okay, this is, this is not exactly what I think the Cardinals needed to adjust. As a result, I think then you kind of have a question. Are you going to look at taking, like, these late lottery tickets? Like, we're talking about the Noah fans you're talking about more of like a Dalton Kincaid as a rookie maybe you're saying hey I could say I grab an Isaiah likely later maybe that ends up being a guy who takes on a bigger role I do think that people are a little too low on Trey McBride right now because I think that when you're talking about if the Cardinals are going to have more two tight end sets you're talking about a guy who doesn't leave the field stays on and you talk about Zach Ertz having an injury issue the last seven games that he played, Trey McBride got about five uh, targets per game. And this is as a rookie that you're talking about being able to like kind of getting it at the end of the year. I think that there's a good chance that if he keeps up with those five targets a game or so, and you're saying that he doesn't come off the field, you may be seeing the touchdowns incrementally increase. You may end up seeing some more of the other plays that were there. I do think that right now, I think that he's got a chance to be able to sneak up higher than his ranking. I don't know how high because I think the Cardinals offense is going to be limited this year. But until we know at least what the health status of Zach Ertz is going to be, I do think that the Cardinals are going to have to rely on Trey McBride for quite a bit of someone who can be out there to make plays. I would say that people are being a little too low on him right now. Cardinals, they spent a second round pick on him, highly drafted, very highly thought of guy. He's the one guy I would say that if you're looking for that, you know, maybe not your tight end one, maybe you're talking about throwing a dart at the board and finding a backup tight end or a tight end too. He's the one guy who I think could boom a little bit more than some of the other guys that are ranked ahead of him. I love it. Joseph, what say you? 
Yeah, you know, and you made some great points about two tight ends. I want to, you know, add to that. Um, you know, and I've read, mentioned this gentleman before. Brett Coleman did a great video recently about the resurgence of the fullback. And one of the things he talked about is a lot of teams have players who aren't necessarily fullbacks, but they're like a big wide receiver or a tight end who play. They move, right? And they do certain things in the blocking that allow offenses – uh, to kind of open things up. It's a great video. Definitely check it out if you haven't. Yep. So in that situation, I could see, to me, it seems like McBride maybe fits that role a little bit more as that move tight end. So you could see them both on the field, right? You know, uh, Ertz in the slot and then, you know, that the receiving tight end. And then uh, you're going to see McBride sometimes move around to do some blocking and things like that. So I think you'll see them both on the field in a lot of different ways. And one of them might be playing the role of a, of a fullback in some of those moments. But from a fantasy perspective, because as we all know, there's real life football and fantasy football, and sometimes those things do and don't correlate in terms of the implications. In terms of how my draft strategy, um, I'm you know I'm a little leery of going after the Cardinals tight ends from a fantasy perspective. Like I typically go late on my tight end. I wait typically and see who's left and i do mcbride does fit the profile of the guy i look for as a as a uh, tight end late in the draft i always look for guys who are in their second or third year who were highly drafted but struggled in that first year because someone mentioned earlier tight ends typically don't pop their first year they need extra time to develop because of all the blocking assignments and receiving assignments they have to learn um so I look for someone like McBride who's coming into a second year, has a pedigree as a second-round draft pick, and and could be a really good player moving forward because then you're going to get really good value. But I am concerned because you've got Ertz, who's an established veteran, and you know the, the, their offensive coordinator Drew Petzing comes from Cleveland, and Cleveland used you know David and Joku, and uh, they have a second tight end they use. I was looking at his stats Cooper. anyway. Uh, it was uh, Harrison Bryant, and, you know, yep. uh, uh, jo and Joku had 58 receptions for 628 yards. Harrison Bryant had 31 for 239. So, you know, in this offense, there's room for two tight ends, right, to get some play. But from a fantasy perspective, I don't know if either one of them are consistently going to get enough that I feel good tethering myself to them. But again, for a dynasty league, I'm going to look at McBride. I'm going to try to get him, if he, if I can get him a little bit later, have him on my bench. If he pops this year, great. If not, I, you know, I still like him as a future projection. Well, this yeah, has one, been an amazing night. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say one last thing on Trey McBride. Trey McBride, as a younger tight end, the Zacherts, he ended up actually surprising as far as for his yards after the catch per reception. He got almost as many yards after the catch as Trey McBride did on half the targets. Talking about Trey McBride having 117 yards after the catch, Zach Ertz 130 yards, both playing about the same number of games. Don't rule out that youth being a factor in terms of being able to get some additional, um, I should say, fantasy points potentially, especially if the Cardinals do end up being a team that targets the tight end a lot in more of those um yeah, uh, I think it's the yards per reception. Uh, the other types of fantasy leagues you're able to get where you get some of the PPR, PPR leagues. That would be the place I would look for him more than I would probably in a standard fantasy league. Absolutely awesome. Well, listen, this has been an amazing night. And I just want to say really quickly to Agent H, um, it's been an <laughs> honor to have you on, my friend. I was born and raised in Hialeah, and I used to fancy myself a little fast wide receiver. So I used to call myself the thrill when I was younger. So this has been a true 
honor and one of those transcendent moments like it's come full circle for me so i really really appreciate you having you on my friend thanks for having where, me on i really appreciate we, it go ahead i'm sorry yeah do you have anything you wanted to plug or anything you got any books or anything any promotional things you want to send out <laughs> to anyone <laughs> no, I, I, I'm too busy dealing with ambassadors, so I don't really have a chance to write books <laughs> right now. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually uh, I'm not even in the country right now. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm out of the country uh, in the Caribbean, South Caribbean, in the Southern Caribbean. Um, and a lot of people think that is uh, fun in the sun, but I'm very close to Venezuela. And that's all I can say about that. But no, um, you can you can always follow me uh, on um, on on tri on Twitter uh, under Randall Hill, and then also uh, on Instagram uh, Randall underscore Thrill underscore uh, Hill. Um, and uh, hey, listen, uh, sorry I wasn't uh, we weren't able to. I guess we had technical difficulties um, early on, but uh, I, I I did watch the the uh, the, uh, the the game show that you guys were playing, <laughs> I thought it was funny. Um, and I did have Roy uh, Roy Green um, because I came in uh, a couple of years, like a year after That's Roy right. Green left. So yeah, yeah. I, 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 I said, "Yo, say Roy Green. It's Roy Green. Trust me." Um, <laughs> come on, um, great show. Uh, thanks for having me on for the time that I, I've been here. Uh, you have my number. You can contact me and call me whenever. Uh, I'll be more than happy to come back uh, and talk a little bit more, more about the X's and O's. Uh, and also to talk about, oh, but professor, yes. um, if, if, um, you know, when I'm not traveling, um, I would definitely like to come out and talk to uh, your students about, um, about sociology and how it, it has helped prepare me for the career that I have right now, um, which is a great career, federal agent. Uh, I get to retire in two years. So I have, I have a NFL pension, NFL 401k, government pension government 401k and uh social security and um it, it's been a great great ride and, and it was all uh thanks to so, uh sociology awesome i love hearing that I'll, I'll follow you on twitter and we've got a criminology program that would okay. love to have you talk to their students okay absolutely thanks for having me on guys i'm gonna disappear so i can go save the world Thank you, Agent Ace. We appreciate you. It's been a great night right, tonight. We appreciate having you in. It's been amazing. And look at that. What a connection we made right there, too. We're going to go talk to your class. Got to love it. He's doing the superhero thing still, <laughs> so you got to love it. All right, guys. We appreciate you. Thank you again for coming in. And we are out.